Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 117 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Now, Andy, we have been no stranger to doing these remotely that's for true, quite much. a while. That's very true, yeah. But I am a fair bit further away this time. Yeah, yeah, you're normally a stone's throw away, I would, I would say. Yeah, I really am. A, like, we stayed really quite close together in Glasgow. We're about maybe like a 10-minute drive um, away from each other. But yeah, I'm in Sheffield this weekend, have been catching up with some wonderful people and watching some films at the digital edition of Fright Fest, on which we're now on day four. How are you? What have you been up to? I'm okay, Mitch. I just want to say, by the way, that we are almost at 250 recordings. Good grief. How, how close specifically? Uh, we're only, I think we're somewhere in the region of 247. That's not including Patreon-exclusive things, by the way, which would actually push us over the 500 mark. But certainly on our RSS feed, we're now approaching 250 of these. Like, Good yeah. lord. Serious business. Thank you to everybody who has listened to even a handful of those. Um, <laughs> uh, what have you been up to this week? You made time to watch anything? Uh, I watched Amy Simons' She Dies Tomorrow. Oh, okay, cool. I had actually lost track of the fact that this was out. I knew that it was coming soon, mm-hmm. um, because I've been looking forward to it for a little while. So that's exciting. Do you want to talk a little bit about what it's about and what you thought of it? Yeah, well, just to say, by the way, it's available everywhere from Friday just there. Okay. Yeah, but it's a story of a girl called Amy. There's a real kind of autobiographical slant, I would say, to an extent in this film, and I would say it's probably a pretty personal project for Amy Simons. Certainly not autobiographical, maybe in terms of how the the story plays out but uh it, it does feel like a particularly personal project it's a story of a girl called amy who decides that she is going to die the next day she's utterly convinced that she's going to die okay. she, te- she obviously tells people that this is how she's feeling she's not even it's not even like i'm convinced i'm going to die tomorrow she's like i'm going to die tomorrow and this kind of fear and this paranoia kind of starts to spread and other people start to become convinced that they too are going to die okay that's really the whole thrust of it. Okay, so tonally, what are we dealing with here? Because this sounds like something that could go either way. It could be played very straight-faced, or obviously it seems like there's quite a lot of room for this to be played for laughs. So which way does it go? It is not played for laughs at all, Mitch. It's very serious. It's a very slow burn. Uh, produced by the guys from Rustic Films, so Aaron and Justin and David Lawson. Excellent. Okay, good, good. I really liked it. I don't think this is going to be for everyone. Okay. Uh, like I say, it's, it's extremely slow. I think some people might think that it doesn't really go anywhere. Right, okay. But I really liked it. There was just something that I found really engaging in it. I think that if the basic idea is good, the performances are good and the writing's good, I can quite happily sit and watch a film not do much for like 70, 75 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I think you would really like this actually, Mitch. Yeah, but it's a it's a really well-made and well-directed film. It's a really well-acted film. There's some big-name people in here as well. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez is in it and Josh Lucas is in it. Chris Messina's in it. Uh, oh, I fucking love that guy. Yeah, Katie Azelton from The League is in it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's loads of people. Uh, Adam Wingard pops up in it as well. <laughs> really? Okay, yeah, that's cool. It's just, uh, I really, really liked it, but it's quite a pressing and timely film as well. Just this kind of, 
I guess in the the times of COVID and stuff like that, it's just this weird insidious virus moving amongst people. It's, yeah, I, I, I really liked it. It's a really cool film, and like I say, I think it has a lot to say about mental health, and re- I really liked it. I thought it was a really interesting wee film. It doesn't outstay its welcome either, Mitch. You'll be happy to hear it 80 minutes. Oh, yeah, this is fast becoming my favourites, because I'm the worst. <laughs> you haven't quite got over that 110-minute assault of uh, Beyond the Door yet, have you? Just absolutely unforgivable. <laughs> Don't blame me. Blame the filmmakers. I, I felt per- personally insulted by that. That sounds good, though. That, like you say, I mean, I do agree. I think that this sounds very much like something that I would enjoy a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 we had been lucky enough to be sent a review link for it, um, but I picked it up on Friday as well. I bought it on Amazon because it's available. Ah, on nice. I think it's exclusively on VOD, actually. I don't think there's uh, physical copies out there yet. Okay, okay. Um, so that your main one for this week then? That's really my, my biggest thing. Um, watched a bunch of other things. Actually, I watched something else that had Christmas in it. It's, I don't really want to get into it too much. But I watched Birds of Prey. Okay. And I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a delight. I, I'm just going to say, by the way, I think that Chris Messina is like David Strathairn levels of under, underrated. That guy is fantastic, I think. <laughs> like, there, there, is, there is no film in existence that is not better for having Chris Messina in it. <laughs> So I have a few things to talk about, as you can probably guess. Yeah, I imagined as much. So I've watched a bunch of stuff, obviously, at Fright Fest. I think I've seen a film in every available slot so far, which is uh, which is unusual for me. Um, <laughs> I guess it's easier because you don't massively have the lure of the pub because you can presumably just drink to your heart's content sitting where you are. There is an element of that, yeah. Um, so I'm not going to talk about everything that I've seen, but um, I do want to talk about a few. So I want to give a quick shout out to uh, recent guest Patrick Ray and his film I Am Lisa. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so, yeah, that played on the on the Friday. I uh, liked this quite a bit. Uh, I thought it looked really good. A really nice uh, werewolf story. I thought it was really, really interesting. Uh, I like Patrick's films in general. I'm a particular mm-hmm. fan of uh, Enclosure or Arbor Demon, depending oh. on which territory you're in. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought that I thought this was this was really fun. Uh, also on the Friday, we did have one that we've been talking about for quite a while. Uh, Bria Grant's twelve-hour shift. Ah, uh, yeah, no, this is one I've been really looking forward to, and it was one I actually considered trying to get a ticket for. But yeah, I, see, I saw a lot of people speaking really positively about this, which I'm glad about. Yeah, this this won't this won't disappoint you certainly. Uh, I like this an awful lot. So for anyone that's unfamiliar, it's uh, it's like almost like an organ trafficking story actually, but it's set um, across the span of one 12-hour shift for this nurse who's played by Angela Bettis, who mm-hmm. uh, everyone listens to the show know, of course, she's in May. I love May. Yes. I'm generally a big fan of the work of Angela Bettis. She is in here alongside uh, Mick Foley of all people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Um, uh, David Arquette and many more. I knew a little bit about what this was about, obviously. We'd um, talked about it a couple of times on the show, and we talked about it when Natasha Kermani was on. Sure, yeah, of course. And we talked about it a few times, and I've been looking forward to it. I didn't know much about what it was actually going to be like tonally. Okay. <laughs> and I think that I expected something a little bit darker and a bit more of a slow burn where what you have here is an admittedly extremely heavy story like thematically but it's got quite a capery vibe to it in places except it's a lot bloodier than that and it's it's really really good like i i I was i was really impressed with it really enjoyed it and i think like bria grant's unbelievably prolific in terms of acting producing writing things like that she's in so much stuff and she's a market quality on so much of it as well yeah yeah um so yeah this is this is great but just like just file under another great thing that her name's on 
<laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, she's quickly becoming one of my favourite names and faces in the genre. I, I completely agree. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, this was awesome. Also, checked out The Columnist, which was mm. um, a Dutch production. Uh-huh. Um, this is very much kind of like, a, oh, be careful what you say online, and kind of translating that into real-life consequences. And there is a certain amount of catharsis and fun to be had with that. I need to watch this again to figure out exactly what I think this film is trying to say. Okay. Because I think that, like, it frames the hypocrisy of the main character in a really interesting way, or it kind of, like, seeds this hypocrisy of the main character in a way that I'm not sure how I'm supposed to interpret. Right. And I think that I will definitely rewatch this for that reason. Like, I want to figure out what I think the overarching message of this is. Because the broad one is, don't say mean things on the internet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But... I'm quite curious about what it has to say about how that ties in with the limits of free speech and things like that. And I think that for that reason, I'll need to give it another look. But I would say it's really interesting and it's really fun. So it is worth a look. That's The Columnist. Okay, yeah, yeah. I saw a few people again being quite positive about this one. I've been in a position as well to check out The Honeymoon Phase. Right. Now, this was an interesting one. And I think that interesting is the right word. Interesting sounds like a backhanded compliment, and I really don't mean it that way. But it's written and directed by uh, Philip G. Carroll Jr. And um, it's about this couple, Tom and Eve, who take part in a 30-day scientific experiment where they basically spend a month alone in this like research facility. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it's a really interesting premise, and it goes to some pretty interesting and some surprisingly dark places, to be honest. I don't think that it ever feels exploitative but it does deal in some really heavy themes about kind of like physical and emotional abuse and stuff like that right and i think that it posits something really interesting and again i think that it just about gets it right in terms of where it goes but i'd be very curious to know what you think of this i'm not sure what the release situation is for the uk i know it's available on amazon prime in the us right now so any american listeners that are curious about this can go and check it out this though i thought was really interesting really piqued my curiosity um got some good stuff to look forward to today as well we've got hall coming up at six o'clock which i'm looking forward to and um a ghost waits at 8 45 yeah how are you feeling arsehole making buttons yet a little bit yeah <laughs> um but people are being very nice right now about uh, looking forward to checking it out and things like that so people seem to certainly have plans to watch it which is a good start you'll be fine um, you'll be absolutely fine yeah, we'll take it from there. But uh, by the way, loads of people have been sending me messages and saying nice things about it and kind of just generally being supportive. This is the first time that I've had a feature play at a festival and it is exciting. It's also terrifying. So thank you to the people <laughs> who have sent nice messages to me. However, uh, it can't all be good. Oh, okay. Uh, so there are a couple of films that I want to touch on very quickly that I got on less well with. We saw Don't Click last, last night. Right, I've saw I've, I've been fo- trying to kind of keep my eye on things as they've been coming out. <laughs> um, what you had here was this guy who is sitting at home in his flat and he's watching this fairly horrendous, uh, subscription-based kind of torture porn website. Okay. And he disappears, uh, with his laptop left on, and wakes up in this kind of dungeon. Right. <sighs> well, basically, what happens after that is that his friend comes home, sees the same screen, and then he wakes up in the same dungeon. Okay. Uh, which is also occupied by a supernatural entity. Um, <laughs> okay. This film, then, it, it kind of jumps around all over the map, chronology-wise. They're in and out of the dungeon quite a bit. You see a lot of flashbacks, that kind of thing. This was... Uh, I, 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 well, I'm just... like I hated it. I just... I really... I, I, I couldn't get on with it at all. <laughs> I didn't really understand what it was that it was setting out to say or do. It was one of those things that I never started caring about, and I just found 
myself getting progressively more agitated with it as it went on. Performances didn't do much for me here. You've got uh, Walter Skarsgård here of the Skarsgård dynasty that also <laughs> contains uh, Bill. Yep, and Alexander and Stella. And Alex- yes, yeah, that very same. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah, this this didn't do it for me. Also, um, a long gestating one, but Sky Sharks played on Thursday night. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Was that the opening film? It was the opening film, yeah. So Sky Sharks was completely incoherent. Um, <laughs> I it, it felt like it simultaneously did far too much and not enough What's from a know? storytelling perspective. And I'm not expecting a massive amount of narrative nuance in a film called Sky Sharks. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm pretty realistic in that way. But the problems with it go beyond that. I think that like there's some very satisfying gore in the opening scene. The opening scene is brilliant, actually. But it's one of those things where everything is so intensely CG that you have no idea of what you're looking at, what is real. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I understand that that's a stylistic choice, but also it just makes it impossible to ever really look at it as anything other than like an aggravating music video. <laughs> And, like, I was really ready to have fun with this. You know, it was like, because it, it was showing at around about nine o'clock. And I, when I got into Sheffield, um, we did, we met and met a couple of familiar names to listeners of this podcast. Caught up with Dr. Lauren, Darren Gaskell. Right, sure. Mm-hmm. All that. Lovely. Had a few beers. Came home. And, you know, like that level where you're like, I have had sufficient beer that I am very, very amenable to a film called Sky Sharks. Yeah, that's the kind of state that would potentially make you like a film like Zombie Evils. Yeah, exactly, exactly that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, w- I went in really, like, really ready to have a good time with it, and it's absolutely hateful. It's a loathsome film. <laughs> oh my god. Genuinely, it's garbage. I can count on the fingers of one hand the amount of films I've seen in my life that aggravated me out with the gate as much as this did. Oh man. So there you have it. Uh, so it's not all good, but what I would say is that if you're looking for recommendations off the back of this festival, so far, there's also a day and a half still to go and there's loads of room for more great stuff. But I am Lisa, 12-hour shift, the columnist, the honeymoon phase, all piqued my curiosity to varying degrees. I think that they're all worth going and checking out and I'd be curious to know what other people think about them when that becomes an option. Sky Sharks and Don't Click very much the other way. It's always the same with festivals. I always like, you know, like watching things that really don't work for you is part of it. Yeah. And that did happen. Also want to give a very quick shout out to Ryan Irving's Bark, which is a short film played in the shorts block. I don't want to say too much about it, but it's basically a slasher that is told from the perspective of a sentient tree. (laughs) And it's absolute fucking genius i loved it so much it's so funny and it's such a it's such an interesting idea and it just like it's it's the first film in the one of the two shorts blocks that's running right yeah i like really really so much fun so yeah bark like of the short films that i've seen haven't seen them all yet the plan is to watch the second block a little bit later tonight uh yeah of the short films that i've seen bark is the one that i think uh bears the most mentioning superb well Mitch was these things from the 90s. He sure does. And, uh, well, this was uh, very much um, at the behest of your good self this week, as we mentioned on the main episode. So uh, last Sunday, um, I was having a bit of a shite day, and uh, you and Jackie stepped up very admirably and had me over for lunch. Yeah, we saw you. Yeah, which was lovely. Thank you for that. Um, (laughs) And thank you for having me. It was a grand old time. So we had a couple of drinks and we had some food, but we also watched Bride of Reanimator. We did indeed. So another big, relatively big title, I would say, um, two weeks on the bounce that I've gone for kind of relatively big or high profile sequels and the second week in a row where I've had quite a lot of fun with it. Yeah, hooray. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. In a lot of ways, I preferred it to the animator. Oh, really? I don't know. Maybe preferred's a little strong, but certainly like I, I really took to it. I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, like I think that there's 
so much ingenuity in the practical effects in this. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And there's so much fun demonstrably being had in every frame. Yeah, and again, Jeffrey Combs is just having an absolute ball in this. Um, and the same with David Gale, who's essentially just a, a head with bat wings on it in this film. Yeah, yeah, honestly, like, yeah, like, this, this was a riot. It was really, really fun. I, I had a great time with it. Um, so one of the more successful of the 90s side quests, still kind of pondering how long to run this for <laughs> and indeed what comes next. Because this, because this isn't a Shockwaves 100 mission, you know, I'm not working towards a certain number. And a few people have made some recommendations that I'd like to check out. But, you know, I mean, like, me stopping doing the 90s side quest doesn't mean that I'm going to stop watching 90s movies. I can still throw them into my rotation. You absolutely can. But perhaps it's time that I did something, like... Well, this is just what I was about to suggest, actually, yeah. Because I think that a lot of the features that we have on the minisodes centre around uh, things that I do and things that I watch. So I think it maybe is time, Andy, for you to step into the limelight. Mm. Um, so maybe uh, maybe for next week, you can maybe go away and have a think about something that you want to do or some kind of theme that you want to explore, and we can start kicking these around. Yeah, also happy to take suggestions from the listeners. Absolutely. Definitely. Yes. Definitely. Want to, like, what kind of stuff would you guys like us to cover? What if, if Andy was going on a cinematic adventure of your choosing, what would it be? <laughs> That's what we want to know. We'll be, of course, running through all the usual channels at the end of the show. But yeah, get in touch with us on that. So another week, another step along the road on the 90s side quest. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. Uh, I would say you're getting there, but like you've said, there's no end goal, so you are going nowhere. Yep, exactly. Yep, it's like I am an, I'm like a hamster on a wheel. There is no obvious end. Yeah, wonderful. Do, 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 yep. do, 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 do. What have they been saying? Uh, oh, that was staccato. I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> a decent amount of stuff this week on uh, the feedback section. Thank you very much to everybody who's been getting in touch. And first and foremost, thanks to our guest, Nobody, this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have an Andy versus Mitch episode this week. We talked about Beyond the Door. We did, yeah. A fine choice of yours, if you don't mind me saying so. Thank you, thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I was a bit concerned that perhaps you wouldn't respond to it as well as I do, but you seem to and have fun with it, and that's really all I can ask. I would say that I probably don't respond to it as much as you do, but I did still like <laughs> it. Uh, we had a few people get in touch talking about this one. Uh, I want to say hello to Canel, getting in touch through his Canel's Sinister Cinema account on Twitter. I'd say this is comfortably going to be the movie with the best soundtrack of anything you've done on the podcast. Relentlessly funky, often when it doesn't really need to be. I would say, in terms of best soundtrack, I would also throw Blackula into the ring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got the Hughes Corporation in there. Yeah, that's a cracker as well. But I would say, yeah, fair shout, though, because there is there is an incredible amount of superfluous funk on here that is all magnificent. And if you haven't listened to the episode yet, the high point of the funk soundtrack is, without a doubt, Bargain with the Devil, which can be found at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sticking with Beyond the Door, I've got Andrew Barron with some... Uh, extended thoughts actually about uh not about the episode so much but just a little anecdote about meeting richard johnson oh nice okay cool (laughs) well actually he says he enjoyed the episode which is fine uh thank you for that andrew that's lovely uh but the rest of this is about uh richard johnson Uh, i actually had the good fortune of meeting richard johnson about 20 years ago he was performing in chekhov's the seagull at newcastle theater royal while i was in university so i went along to see him in action Considering he had just admirably performed in what is arguably one of the world's most famous and respected plays, he was surprisingly polite and accommodating when I cornered him in the bar afterwards and forced him to sign my VHS copy of Zombie Flesh Eaters. <laughs> That's great. That's um, also the second week in a row that Andrew has told us a story that I've really enjoyed. <laughs> Keep these anecdotes coming, Andrew. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, uh, 
Our old pal Kevin Matthews Salted Popcorn on Twitter. A fun episode about a fun film makes me want to revisit it, which so often happens with the best episodes of your show. Kevin, thanks very much. And if you do, of course, check it out. Let's know how it held up on rewatch for you. Absolutely. By the way, going back to the funky soundtrack, Andre Martin's getting in touch at Einfach Andre saying, okay, no matter how much who else but Mitch tried to throw shit at this film, that sweet funky vibes at the end just make this masterpiece irresistible. I think it's harsh to say that I was trying to throw shit at the film. No, you were quite receptive, I thought. I don't think that that was my intention. So film fan Stevie uh, checked out Beyond the Door, I suspect for the first time, uh, (laughs) because um, I think that if you'd known it was coming, you wouldn't have reacted in this way. He did tweet us to say, what the fuck am I watching? The kids are freaks who talk like drunken sailors. (laughs) Uh, Immediately after that, Chris Skelp got in touch saying, I wasn't sure if I was going to watch it, but now I'm sold. Uh, Michael Hartford, who I think might be a new person. Absolutely. New person. Hello, Michael. Yeah, getting in touch just to say the sweary little girl is his favourite part. So you have that in common? We do have that in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, Stevie didn't particularly care for Beyond the Door, but he did continue his trawl through the worst offerings that cinema has available. (laughs) Yeah, he sure did. Uh, He messaged us to say, I walk where angels fear to tread. Now watching Ghoulies 4. We told you not to do that. He, I, I don't recall seeing any feedback on what he thought of it. Perhaps that's telling. But yeah, certainly no no updates from Stevie. And uh, you can't say that you weren't warned. Exactly. Yeah, no no sympathy there whatsoever. Absolutely none. Um, I want to say hello to Kevin again really quickly. Actually, he got in touch with a quick correction. And I always feel like we should read these out. We did say that Random Acts of Violence was Jay Baruchel's directorial debut. He did get in touch just to say that he did direct the sequel to Goon. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was our mistake. So uh, thanks as always, Kevin. Always appreciated. Cheerfully withdrawn. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so we had Ross McIntyre get in touch at saying underscore man, okay. saying, Man Alive, Dead Snow 2 is amazing. I can't believe I never gave it a watch until now. Strongdalent PC, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Um, we kind of gave our thoughts the other week on Dead Snow 2. Yeah, I think this came up um, when I watched The Canal, because I picked The Canal at a festival over Dead Snow 2, which, though I like both films, I do regret doing, because I wish I'd seen Dead Snow 2 with a festival audience. Ross, uh, we both are big fans of Dead Snow 2. Yeah, I think Dead Snow 2 is hilarious and an immensely enjoyable experience. Yeah, I quite agree. I quite agree. I want to say a quick hello to Neil as well, Horror of Dracula on Twitter, who has been listening to a whole bunch of uh, older episodes lately. Coming in with a pitch for the Irredeemables, uh, saying that we do Shockwave's Dark Side, or Shockwave Singular Dark Side, should I say? Yeah, Shockwave Dark Side, which was the breakout hit from Frightfest London, perhaps in 2014, somewhere in that ballpark. That sounds about right, yeah. Um, yeah, a few people, I've, I missed the screening of that that year, but a couple of people have told me, and I, he's actually not the first person to mention Shockwave Darkside, kind of jokingly about a film to cover. Um, obviously, yeah, Neil, you pointed this out in the Twitter conversation, that ordinarily somebody would need to uh, choose it to defend, which might be an issue. However, we do have the Irredeemable series now, so we're pre- we're a little bit more amenable to these things. Mm, yeah, yeah, of course, for anyone who's not a patron, you wouldn't get to hear that juicy goodness. <laughs> well, there you go. Just want to say a quick hello to Andy McCartan as well. He commented on the Chudlocker this week, just saying that he was just catching up on a minisode, but also um, expressing his um, amusement and kind of appreciation for Stephen Wales's pitch from last week. He just said, catch up time. Could someone please make Wish Grant or two? <laughs> Forgot about Wish Grant or two. Great stuff. <laughs> uh, I've only got one thing left. 
Okay. Uh, and it's a lovely bit of kind of miscellaneous niceness. Okay. Coming in from Andrew Marshall at Semi Pro Geek. He says, uh, I sometimes struggle to maintain control of my car while laughing at Strong Violent PC, but approaching the roundabout off Junction 4 of the M8 while driving a three ton Asda truck and hearing Wes Craven's gold holding sister fucker, I came the closest to actually killing myself. <laughs> You may remember from our uh, People Under the Stairs episode from a couple of weeks ago that I posited the title uh, Gold Holding Sister Fucker as an alternative title to People Under the Stairs because we felt that the People Under the Stairs weren't the real focus of the film. Uh, yeah, there was actually a reasonably extended bit in that episode where we kept on pitching alternative titles. Off the back of that, actually, just uh, in going with general niceness to conclude on a little bit more general niceness, Darren Gaskell uh, replied to that and said, I've spat teal over myself and almost done myself injuries from uncontrollable laughter and come close to driving off the road while listening to this podcast you should probably come with some kind of health warning i'm not saying that i am happy to hear that you are almost killing yourselves or doing yourselves injuries while you're listening to this but i am very happy that it's making you laugh to that extent that's all we ever really want to do with this yeah that was kind of why we started doing this show in the first place was hopefully to make people laugh we didn't know if anyone would ever laugh apart from ourselves at each other um so it's kind of nice and gratifying to hear that other people do in fact laugh in the privacy of whatever they're listening to us yes very much appreciated so i believe that wraps the feedback for this week it does yeah hang on <coughs> it is once again time for mitch's pitches that gets more incoherent every time i scream it like it's... yeah if we do this for a few more weeks it's just going to be you just shrieking one note yeah it's gone past the point of being real words i think yeah, I would say it's just about there, but Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a horror film poster from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any identifying text and leave only the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis. We will, of course, also put it everywhere on social media so you guys can play along at home, which a few of you did this week. So... Last week's film was uh, more Claudio Fregasso stuff, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> because that's very much the hype that you're on at the moment. Um, at least it's not Breeders. But you went for After Death, which I very poorly reappropriated as Conservator, the unmentionable tension in the extension. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that as well. Jesus Christ. So uh, Andre Martins got in touch and immediately suggested that it was an alternate poster for Breeders. <laughs> Uh, Laura Bynan, Stella Cucumber broke open the lockdown in impatient horror classic Get Out and Die. Oh. Uh, we also had C.P. Buckley when taxidermist Rod Stuffing is brought to a house to stuff and mount the son of eccentric billionaire Tommy C.H. Money. He gets more than he bargains for when the son, Sam C.H. Money, an avid practitioner of voodoo, comes to life in his newly stuffed but dismembered form. Now Rod must stop the stuffed killer body parts before he escapes the house. It's 1978's Taxidermy Killer. Okay. Got a Hanny underscore Ray when rookie cop Dick Gumshoe brings in an infected drunk, he accidentally sets in motion a zombie outbreak at the jail. After getting bitten on the pinky, Gumshoe cuts off the hand to avoid his fate. Unfortunately, this leads to a whole other problem. In caught dead-handed... Oh, yes! <laughs> and in conclusion for this week, we do have a returning Tony Constantinou. Yep, he's emerged from the ether once again when Randy Morning Delivery Driver Cornelius Care <laughs> accidentally sculls his hand again eating a Ginster's pasty en route to delivering a mysterious big sausage-shaped package to Morningwood Manor. <laughs> the voluptuous lady of the manor, Donna Matrix. 
invites him inside to tend to his throbbing wound. But as she leads him and his big package down to her secret torture sex dungeon, little does he know he's about to discover her secret torture sex dungeon. (laughs) In director Mike Hornhole's saucy sequel, Hand Hell with Care 2, The Curse of Morningwood. That's all all we've got this week. I like that. I like that a fair amount. Oh, this is tricky because I, I liked uh, Hanny's pitch as well. The title caught me by surprise. Um, I'd like to give the awards this week to Hanny and to Tony. More so for Hannah's title and Tony's overall pitch. Okay, cool. That's fine. I'm happy with that. And uh, best, uh, the character names are pretty strong in there as well. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we did have uh, Cornelius Kerr, Dick Gumshoe and uh, Donna Matrix across the board. So um, <laughs> pretty strong performances all around. So um, a very even share of the spoils between Tony and Hannah this week then. Such is my right as co-host of the show. I can change it whenever I like. This is very true, yeah. You can please your fucking self. Um, I was going to say that concludes Mitch's pitches. It obviously doesn't. It is now my turn. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Uh, are you ready? I've got my phone at hand if you, if you have yours. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, here it comes. Uh, just a little warning, a little busier than the past couple of weeks. <laughs> I fucking hell, that's a way of putting it. Okay, quite a lot going on here. No border to this image. The background is white. Mm-hmm. Um, we have got here a skyline, a metropolitan skyline, I would say. <laughs> yeah. In the background of the image, working forwards from the back, we have got um a dead person in a morgue, shot kind of feet first. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. With a morgue tag on their foot. We've also got a sign up for Bellevue Hospital, which, if I'm not mistaken, is in New York. Yes, presumably uh, the skyline there, representative of New York. Yeah, we can but assume. Uh, We've also got um, a DOA tag that has detached and is now just kind of floating around in the ether. The centre point of the image, I would say, would be this kind of uh, very intensely lit screaming man who I'm going to say is a surgeon because he has that thing on his head that surgeons have. I don't know what you actually call them, but they look like CDs. That's exactly what I was going to say. They, They just look like big CDs. I don't know what the point is. Uh, yeah, like, 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 yeah, like surgeon disc. Yeah, I'm actually going to put it out to our listeners. If anyone knows what those surgeon discs are called and what they're used for, then uh, please let us know. Yeah, what purpose they serve is also something I'm curious about, I guess, yeah. Uh, in his hand, he is holding a knife-slash-dagger-slash-letter opener, um, <laughs> which has a very ha- a very fancy handle and uh, has blood on the tip of it. We also have a uh, brown-haired Caucasian woman in a white negligee looking quite distressed. Mm-hmm, yeah, sure. Again, working forward, we have um, a couple of kind of like what looks like science or laboratory paraphernalia. <laughs> like there's a beaker there and uh there's another kind of like what looks like a wee potion bottle with a stopper in it and what looks like a little uh, little bottle of pills also got a pink shoulder bag with a bloodied hacksaw uh-huh. protruding from it and in the very front of the image we have a, a kind of a wood like what looks like a kind of wooden sign for someone's house or a street or something but it's not got anything carved in it it's just hanging from what looks like a kind of like old kind of copper or metal frame. And uh, it's got some blood along the top of it, or indeed a red substance. It's got two holes punched in the top of it, but nothing has yet been engraved in it. So New York skyline, dead guy, screaming surgeon with surgeon disc, Bellevue hospital sign, dead on arrival, uh, ticket, distressed brunette, woman, uh, bag with tools in it, science paraphernalia, letter opener, and wooden sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've got everything there, I would say. Okay, okay. Um, that's maybe yeah, the most comprehensive detailing of the items on a pitch image yet coincidentally also the most details to have to cover as well <laughs> uh, okay yeah uh, give me a minute yeah sure 
just want to say now that while you write this, this poster is in no way representative of the actual film. Is that because it's breeders? <laughs> no, I can assure you, it's definitely not breeders. Uh, but when I read the okay. synopsis to you, you you'll see uh, this is not rep- really representative of the film at all. It's good, like, yeah, I'm going to be really surprised when I find out that this is the English patient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I'm working right up to the buzzer here, but I think I've got something. Okay, I can't wait for this. Okay, right. The year is 2030. Sure. <laughs> Widespread deforestation has led to a global wood shortage and merciless resource conservation enacted with brutal authority by America's draconian government. With the days of treehouses, patios, and creepy puppets fading sadly into the past, we join embattled eccentric surgeon and recently promoted chief of medicine Patrick Lee Don, who is rapidly reaching the end of his tether. With his hospital falling into disrepair and the unforgiving new regulations forbidding him from carrying out any forms of meaningful renovation, he resorts to the ugliest of last resorts to keep the hospital afloat, murdering patients in the hospital, harvesting their bones as raw materials, and using his virtuoso knowledge of forensic pathology to make the deaths look like accidents. Entrusting the scheme of covert repairs to his unlicensed lumberjack neighbour Iona Hacksaw, Patrick's web of deceits, lies and murder soon begin to entangle, and it's only a matter of time before the flimsy cover-up, the hospital and his fragile sanity all come tumbling down. <laughs> and when Patrick's splintered psyche falls in the forest, it will make a sound. Experience this blisteringly dystopian and eerily prescient 1976 body horror fiasco, Lumberquack, Scream for Your Life. <laughs> You said the title there with such glee in your voice. You're like, I can't wait to tell him what I've called this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of self-satisfaction going on there. I feel like I feel like if nothing else, that was better than last week. That was definitely better than last week. But there was a real race for you to get to the title. You couldn't contain yourself. <laughs> oh wow, well, that's okay. Lovely. Yeah. More to the point, though. What is this really? And who is our synopsisizer this week? What year did you say, 76? I said 76, yeah. Yeah, so you're a few years out, it's 1980. Okay. And the film is Dr. Butcher, MD, better known as Zombie Holocaust. Oh, wow. Okay, no, I did not expect that. Nor will you expect this synopsis coming in from Artemis Nine. Okay. The members of an expedition in search of the last faithful of Quito, the cannibal god, land on a small island in the Moluccas and are soon hunted by cannibals and zombies, these being created by a sinister Dr. O'Brien, who is experimenting with corpses. Susan, a sexy lady in the expedition team, eventually takes a hold on things as she is accepted as Queen of the Cannibals and directs them against the mad scientist and his army of zombies. Fucking hell. (laughs) <laughs> that's a lot isn't it that's a lot that's yeah, a fucking lot that's a lot to cram in fair play okay is this any use it's not the worst Italian zombie cannibal thing that's out there Okay. Ian McCulloch who's the kind of main guy in zombie flesh eaters he pops up in this and again he's given a performance that the film does not need Ian McCulloch from Echo and the Bunnymen no 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 uh, Ian McCulloch <laughs> uh, English gentleman Ah, I see, I see. Are you suggesting that Ian McCulloch's not a gentleman? Anyway, that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. That image is everywhere. If you want to get in touch and join in, please do. 
turn our attentions then to the streaming platforms. And we do have um, a decent spread of stuff. Netflix picking up a lot of stuff um, that's a little bit older this week. Um, a lot of that landing on Tuesday, the 1st of September. We've got Curse of Chucky, which I was just talking about last week. Like that a lot. Uh, the wisecracking doll possessed by a psychopathic killer returns to terrorise a young woman in a wheelchair and her troubled family. That's the sixth entry in the original series. Also got David Fincher's Zodiac landing this week. I love Ooh. that film. Also got Fear, a 16-year-old good girl goes to a party with her best friend and meets a handsome, enigmatic guy from the wrong side of the tracks. A good girl? That's what it says. That's oh. in the Netflix synopsis, a good girl. That makes me uncomfortable. Same. Uh, Kill Me Three Times, also landing this week. An assassin hunts down his mark in a small coastal town, but the simple job it proves not so simple as he becomes entangled in a dark tale of revenge. On Wednesday the 2nd, we have Freaks, You're One of Us, tipped by a mysterious tramp, a meek fry cook, discovers she has superpowers and kindred spirits, and uncovers an unsavoury widespread conspiracy. And concluding the Netflix stuff for this week, also on Wednesday, Demolition Man. Hooray! <laughs> Trapped in a cryogenic deep freeze for several decades, Top Cop John Spartan, which does sound like a Mitch's Pitch's name, yes. is defrosted by the powers that be to catch a relentless killer. Uh, moving on to Amazon Prime, we have on Friday the 4th, Season 2 of The Boys. Season 2 finds the boys on the run from the law, hunted by soups and desperately trying to regroup and fight back. Ah, excellent. The first series was brilliant. Cool. Um, Sky Cinema, we have nothing. <laughs> and on Shudder, we have on Tuesday, September the 1st, we have 30 Days a Night, Barrow, Alaska. A remote, isolated town is plunged into a state of complete darkness for 30 days every winter. It's here that a group of marauding, merciless, and bloodthirsty vampires come for a month-long, uninterrupted feast of its helpless residents. Also on the 1st, we have got the Deadlands. Uh, Hongi, a Maori chieftain's teenage son, must avenge his father's murder in order to bring peace and honour to the souls of his loved ones after his tribe is slaughtered through an act of treachery. Shudder, keeping it up. Great stuff this week. Wednesday, September 2nd, we have Lost Soul, the doomed journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. Excellent. Filmmaker Richard Stanley came up with an ambitious plan for adapting the Island of Dr. Moreau, but casting Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando proved to be his undoing and he was fired from the film. What happened next must be seen to be believed. And on Thursday, we have got The Wind, an unseen evil haunts the homestead in this chilling folkloric tale of madness, paranoia and otherworldly terror. That's your lot for this week. Uh, what's your pick? I'm going to have to go with 30 Days a Night, I think. Cool, maybe also steering people in the direction of Season 2 of The Boys? Uh, yeah, and I would maybe also give a shout-out to Demolition Man. I need it, you will. Um, that's our streaming platform stuff for this week, so a decent amount of stuff to be getting involved in there. Turning our attentions then to this week's episode, and we do have a returning guest this week, and it is going to be fun, because it always is. It always is, and it's important to say that while Duncan McLeish might have been our first third-time appearance, we're doing it again this time. Yeah, and uh, there's no coincidence uh, surrounding that one, but that will all become apparent in due time. It is the third instalment in our sort of mini-series, taking a look at a certain reptilian franchise. We are, of course, doing that with the aid of the director of the short films Call Girl, The Stylist, 42 Counts and One Last Meal, and also now the director of the feature film The Stylist. It's a warm welcome back to Jill Gavargazian. Uh, hooray! I don't think hey. everyone knows where this is going, Mitch, before I say it. I would say that that is highly likely. We're taking a look at the third instalment in the Anaconda franchise, Anaconda's Offspring. That is rentable in VOD in the UK for sure. If you want to spend your money on that, I'm sure there's better things out there. But this has got David Hasselhoff in it, so there you go, it's a mark of quality. There you go. Yeah, what else do you need to know? This Friday, we are taking a look at Anaconda Offspring. Yeah, he's never done anything bad, to my, to my knowledge. 
Uh, not that I'm aware of, no, no. Um, but we are, of course, doing that with the assistance of Jill Gavagazian. So how are you feeling about that? Get in touch with us through all the usual channels, Facebook and Instagram, or Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well, of course, at Strong Violent PC, and you can email scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Strong Language Violent Scenes for more, more of us, more of these voices. And of course, don't forget, if you feel like chatting to other listeners, which is increasingly becoming the best part of this, in fact, it's been the best part of this for a really long time, if you want to do that, you can uh, join in the conversation on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker, as well. Yeah, as always, Mitch, thank you for that comprehensive list. We are back this Friday talking Anaconda Offspring with Jill Gavargazia, and join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 